Hey guys, it's Heaven from Just a Grown True Crime, and today I'm going to be telling you about this app called Anchor. It helped me start my podcast, and it can help you start yours. Anchor is a free app that lets you use it from your phone or your computer. So if you want to do it on the go, and you want to just record, you can record one. Anchor will also distribute your podcast for you on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so much more to get your own podcast out there. You can make money from your own podcast with no minimum listenership. So it's everything you want in just one podcast. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. I did. What are you waiting for? Hey guys, welcome back to Just a Girl on True Crime. I'm your host, Heaven. So let's talk about some stuff since it's been a while. When you get this, it'll be Friday, um, November, yeah, November 5th. Sorry if I sound a little funky. It's been a long weekend, a long week. Um, my kids were sick, and they had to be tested for COVID. Luckily, they tested negative, and I just went back to work today, which is Wednesday, and I'm recording this. So... All is well. They just have bad coughs and hopefully my youngest's fever breaks and he has an ear infection. So it was a rough weekend or week because, you know, it's still ongoing. Um, Let's talk about some good news. I want to shout a couple people out, but I'm not going to use their name because I don't know if they want, you know, their name to be mentioned on the podcast, which that's fine. So we're going to talk about the first one. Okay. So this first person reached out to me a couple weeks ago. And they said, don't ever stop podcasting based on your negative comments. You ever think about quitting, just remember that I am listening and enjoying your podcast. And don't worry about trying to be anyone but yourself. I like you just as you are. You remember this. And I was like, oh my gosh. Like I got back to her and was like, obviously I have very trouble keeping my Instagram up to date. But. I put all the cases up that I've already covered, so that was great. Um, that person is an angel. That meant so much to me. You guys don't even understand. So thank you to that person. I know you listen. You know who you are. And you know I commented I was like, oh, you like the um, you like the page. Like, I know who you are. And then the second person I want to shout out because I was super excited that I got my first five-star review. And I was just going on um, my Just a Girl and True Crime page, and I was looking, just scrolling to screenshot, not screenshot, just upload some stuff, and then I came across this page, and I'm not going to mention this person either. Gave me a five-star rating, like I said, and they said, great show. Hey, keep up the great work. Your show is great. Don't worry about the bad reviews. Those people don't know what they're talking about. Oh, those. 
when I heard that one, I literally jumped off my couch and I was like, oh my God, I got my first five-star review. I was super excited. So thank you guys for your kind words. Y'all know who you are. Not gonna call you out unless you don't want to. But tonight, as promised, we are going to be talking about Robert Hansen. Now, I didn't know much about this case. So when I did it, I was like, let me, let me do it. And then I started like researching. I'm like, ooh, he did a lot of crimes. And I was like, oh boy, that's crazy. So we're going to hop into it because there's a lot I have to cover and stuff like that. So Robert Christian Hansett, Hansett, Hansen, sorry. Um, I guess he goes by Bob too, or AKA the Butcher Baker. He was, you know, known for um, an Alaskan abductor, an arsonist, a serial rapist, and later serial killer who abducted prostitutes and hunted them in the wilderness in the early 1980s. I got a couple stuff from this. This is from like a true crimes wiki. Um, I got some other stuff from HD and stuff like that. So we're just gonna hop into it and we're gonna do his background. I couldn't find a lot on his victims. I know he killed a ridiculous, I think it was like what, 17? Killed like 17 women, but he was only, yeah, I think it was 17 women. But he was only actually charged with like four, which is crazy. So we're going to get into his background, shall we? So Robert was born in East Easterville. No, I'm sorry. Esterville, Iowa in 1939. His parents were Christian, a Danish immigrant, and Edna Hansen, his father with whom he had a difficult relationship was very strict and often made him work long arm long hours at the family-owned bakery during his childhood he was awful often bullied for his stutter and his severe acne i mean into that you know kids can be so cruel in school he actually had no close friends but after graduating high school in 1957 he did enlist in the U.S. Army Reserve, where he became a skilled marksman, serving one weekend a month and working at the bakery the rest of the time. And he also sometimes did volunteering as an assistant drill sergeant at the police academy in the town of Pocahontas. So in 1960, he did fall in love with a girl, a local girl. And he ended up marrying her. And on December 7th that same year, he, you know, burned down the school bus garage off the local high school, but was caught when a friend turned him in. During, he had got in trouble and he was sentenced to three years in prison. His wife, his first wife, divorced him only after 20 months. And then Robert was paroled, even though he had been diagnosed with infantile personality. All right. So that's a little bit of his background.
Okay. So, a couple more things I found that I forgot to point out. Um, he was painfully shy. He was not receiving the attention he wanted from the attractive girls at school, and he actually grew up hating them and nursing fantasies of school revenge throughout his childhood and adolescence. Hanson was described as being quiet and a loner, and like I did say, he did have a difficult relationship with his father. Robert started, I wanted to say Richard, that's why it like, took a little bit of time. Robert started to practice both hunting and archery and often found refuge in these um, times he was doing it. Like I said, he went into the army. And now we're going to talk about some first crimes. On December 7th, 1960, a little bit more into the school thing. Like I said, he was arrested. For burning down a Pocahontas County Board of Education school bus garage. And he did this um, for revenge in his unpopularity in high school. Kind of seems stupid to burn down a bus school garage type thing, but alright. Um, he Like I said, he was sentenced to three years in, I have the name right here, Anamosa State Penitentiary. I think that's how I pronounce that. During his incarceration, he was actually diagnosed with bipolar disorder, and at one time he was called a manic depression. Manic depression. I mean, my hus- husband's bipolar, but I don't know much about manic. So, um, with periodic schizophrenic episodes as well, the psychiatrist who had diagnosed. Him noted that he had that infantile personality and he was obsessed actually at getting back at people who felt that who had let me read it who was obsessed with getting back at people he felt had wronged him. First wife divorced him and then actually after that over the next few years um he was actually jailed for several several times for like petty theft. In 1967, he moved to Anchorage, Alaska with his second wife because he remarried. And he remarried her in 1963. And he actually ended up having two children with her. In Anchorage, he was well-liked by his neighbors and set several local, several local, yeah, hunting records. In December 1971, Robert was arrested twice. First, for abducting and attempting to rape an unspecified housewife, and then for raping a raping an unspecified sex worker, he pled no contest to assault with a deadly weapon in the offense involving the housewife, and the rape char- rape charge involving the sex worker was dropped as part of a plea agreement or a plea bargain. He was sentenced to five years in prison, and after serving six months of six months of his sentence, he was actually placed out on a work release program, and he was released to a halfway house. In 1976, Robert pled guilty to larceny, 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 
Yeah, I'm just going to say Larson. After he was caught stealing a chainsaw from an Anchorage Fred Meyer store, and he was sentenced to five years in prison, and he required he was required to receive a psychiatric treatment for his bipolar disorder. The Alaska Supreme Court reduced his sentence, and he was released with time served. So Robert's really, uh, he's already getting it in, like, to trouble. Um, Robert is believed to have begun killing around 1972. And, you know, his modest opera Andy, I think that's how you pronounce that, was, or like his motive or whatever, was to pick up a sex worker in his car and force her at gunpoint to his cabin where he would rape her. He then would fly out to, he would then fly her out to a secluded area and hunt her as if she were wild game before shooting or stabbing her. That's terrifying. On June 13th in 1983, Robert offered a 17-year-old girl named Cindy Paulson $200 to perform oral sex. When she got in the car, he pulled a gun on her and he drove her to her his home in Muldoon. There he held her captive and proceeded to torture and rape her. She later told police that after Robert chained her by chained her by the neck to a post in the house's basement, he took a nap on a nearby couch. That I mean that's you know, that's logical I guess. Not really. Oh man. When he awoke, he put her in his car and he took her to the Merrill Field Airport where he told her that he intended to take her out to his cabin, which was a shack in the Kinnick River area of the... Oh man, I'm going to pronounce this word. I'm going to really pronounce this word wrong. Manta... Nuska Valley, um, and it was only accessible by boat or a bush plane. Cindy crouched in the back seat of the car with her wrist cuffed in front of her body when she actually saw a chance to escape Robert, who was busy actually loading the airplane's cockpit. While his back was turned, she decided to crawl out of the back seat opened the driver's side door, and she ran toward um, 6th Avenue. She later then told police that she had left her blue sneakers on the passenger side floor of the sedan's back seat as evidence that she had been in the car. Robert panicked and chased after her, but Cindy made it to 6th Avenue first and managed to flag down a passing truck. The driver, Robert, Unit, unit, alarmed by Cindy's um, dis- disheveled appearance, stopped and picked her up. He drove her to the Mush Inn where she jumped out of the truck and she ran back inside, where she pleaded with the clerk um, to phone her boyfriend at the Big Timber Motel. The truck driver continued on to work where he called police and filed 
the report of the barefoot handcuffed woman. When our Anchorage Police Department arrived at the Mush Inn, they were told that the young woman had taken a cab to the Big Timber Motel, ADP, Anchorage Police Department. Okay, we're going to just abbreviate them. They arrived at the room 110 of the Big Timber Motel and found Cindy still handcuffed and alone. She was taken to their headquarters where she described the perpetrator. Robert, when he was questioned by the APD officers, he denied the accusations, stating that Cindy was just trying to cause trouble for him because he would not pay her for extortion demands. Although Robert had several prior run-ins with the law, his meek demeanor and humble occupation as a baker, along with an alibi from his friend John Henning, kept him from being considered a serious suspect. So Detective Glenn Floth of the Alaskan State Troopers had been a part of you know this team investigating the discovery of several bodies around Anchorage, Seward, and um, the... Sistuna Valley area. The first bodies were found by construction workers near Elka Road. The body dubbed as oh, we're just going to call her Annie because I can't pronounce that. By investigators has actually never been identified. Later that year um, the body of Joanna Miss Anna was described was discovered in a gravel pit near Stewart, and in 1982, the remains of a 23-year-old Sherry Morrow were discovered in a shallow grave near the Kinnick River. Detective Glenn now had three bodies, and it looked like it was one killer. Glenn contacted the FBI special agent um, named John Douglas and requested help with a criminal criminal psychological profile based on the three recovered bodies douglas thought the killer would be an experienced hunter with low self-esteem have a history of being rejected by women and would still feel compelled to keep souvenirs of his murderers of his murders not murderers such as victims jewelry he also suggested that the assailant might stutter using this profile Glenn investigated possible suspects until he reached Robert, who fit the profile, and he owned a plane. Supported by Cindy's testimony and Douglas's profile, Glenn and the APD secured a warrant to search Robert's plane, vehicles, and home. And on October 27th in 1983, investigators uncovered jewelry belonging to some of the missing women, as well as an array of firearms and a corner hideaway of Robert's attic. They also found a, oh man, they also found what was an aeronautical chart with 37 little X marks on it behind Robert Hansen's headboard. Many of these marks matched sites where prior bodies had been found and others were discovered later at those then unexplored locations marked on Robert's murder map. When confronted with evidence found in his home, 
Robert denied it for as long as he could, but he eventually began to blame the woman and tried to justify his actions, eventually confessing to each of eventually confessing to each item of evidence as it was presented to him, he admitted to a killing to a spree of attacks against Alaskan women, which started in the 1971s. Robert's earliest victims were girls or young women, usually between 16 and 19, and not prostitutes, unlike the victims who led to his discovery. So, we're going to talk a little bit about his known victims. Okay. So, he is known to have raped and assaulted over 30 Alaskan women and to have murdered at least 17, raising, ranging in age from 16 to 41. So, Cecilia Beth Van Zayton, age 17, the date she went missing was December 22nd, 1971. They don't know the date she was killed, but she was found December 25th in 1971. And Robert denied killing her, but is suspected because there is an X on the map that they found. The next one is Megan Shabohan Emmerich, and she was 17. The date missing was July 7th in 1973. They don't know when she was killed, and they have not found her. Well, it says N.A., so. And Robert denied killing her, but he's expected because there's an X on the map as well. Mary Kathleen Thill, age 22, July 5th in 1975. They don't know the date she was killed. Same as the other two. He denied the killing, but is expected is suspected because of the ex. The girl named Annie, um, her age range is between sixteen to twenty five. The date missing, they're not very sure of. Date killed between November nineteen seventy nine and June of nineteen eighty. So somewhere between that. They found her body on July 21st in 1980. She had been stabbed in the neck. By the time of her body was dis- her body was discovered in the shallow grave off of that elk Lutenant Luton- Lake Road, it had been partially eaten by wa- wild animals. Joanna um, Messina, age 24, date missing May 19th, 1980. Date killed that same day, and they found her late July of 1980. Her badly de- decomposed body was found in a gravel pit. Roxanne Eastland, age 24, June 20, date missing June 28, 1980. Killed same day. Um, date found nothing. This one's different because he actually confessed to killing her. But her body was actually never found. Lisa Frudel, age 41, date missing September 6, 1980. They don't know when she was killed, um, but they found her body May 9, 1984. And her body was found just south of Old Knick Bridge. Cherry Morrow, age 23, date missing November 17, 1981. Date killed is unknown. 
and date found was September 12, 1982. She was found in a shallow grave in the bank of the Kinnick River. She had also been shot in the back, but there were no bullet holes in her clothing, suggesting that she had been shot while nude and then redressed before being buried. Um, Andrea Fish Altieri, age 22, date missing, December 2nd, 1981, date found they're not sure, and they've never found her body. He also confessed to killing her, but the body was never found. Sue Luna, age 23, May 26, 1982, her body was found April 24th in 1984. She was stripped nude and forced to run through the forest while Hansen hunted her like an animal, and she was shot to death. Oof. Robin Pelkey, age 19. The missing date is unknown. Um, her kill date was January, January 1983. doesn't really say what day in January. And they found her in April of 1984. Her body was actually discovered by forensic genealogy in October 21. Before her identification, she was nicknamed Horseshoe Harriet. I mean, that's a weird nickname, if you ask me, but I don't know. Daylin Sugar Frey, age 20. Don't know the date she went missing. But they say she was killed in April 1983, and they found her body August 20th, 1985. Her body was found by pilot testing new tires on the sandbar of the Kanaki River. Paula Goodling, age 21. She went missing April 25th, 1983. They don't know when she was killed, but they did find her body September 2nd in 1983. She was found in a shallow grave in the same river. She had been shot in the back. Um, same thing. There was no bullet holes in the clothing, suggesting she had been shot naked and then redressed. Cindy Paulson, who we talked about, age 17, June 13th, 1983, is when she went missing. She survived, and, you know, she was the one who was kidnapped, tortured, and raped, and then she managed to escape and flag that trucker down. Um, man, all right. Malali Larson, age 25. She went missing of June 1981. She was killed somewhere between 1980 and 1983, and they found her um, April 24th in 1984. Teresa Watson, age 22. Date she went missing was April 29th in 1983. Same date, they thought she was killed between 1980 and 1983, and she was found April 26, 1984. Angela Burden, age 24, she went missing sometime in February of 1983, between 1980 and 1983, and she was found April 26, 1984. And her body was found at the figure eight lake, the other two victims I previously talked about, they, I guess they couldn't, they didn't leave, like, what happened? So there's no details on them, too. 
And the last one, um, Tamara or Tammy Pedersen, age 20, August 1982. Between, they believe she was murdered between 1980 and 1983, and her body was found April 29th in 1984. And her body was found 1.5 miles from Old Pinnicky Bridge. Of these 17 women, Hanson was formally charged with the four murders of Sherry, Joanna, <clears throat> Annie, and Paula, and he was also charged with the kidnapping and rape of Cindy. So once he was arrested with assault, kidnapping, multiple weapon offenses, and theft and insurance fraud, the last charge was related to a claim filed with the insurance company over the alleged, alleged theft of some trophies used in the proceeds to purchase at Super Cup. At trial, he claimed he later recovered the trophies in his backyard, but he forgot to inform the insurancer. Only after ballistic tests returned a match between bullets found at the crime scenes and Robert's rifle, he did enter a plea bargain. He pled guilty to the four homicides, and the police had evidence for um, Sherry, Joanne, Annie, and Paula. And I only say Annie because I can't pronounce that E-word. And they provided details about his other victims in returning, in return for service, for serving his sentence in a federal prison, along with no publicity to the press. Another condition of the plea bargain was his participation in deciphering the marks on his map and locating his victims' bodies. He confirmed the police theory of how the women were abducted, adding that sometimes he would, you know, let a potential victim go if she convinced him that she would not report him to the police. He indicated that he began, began killing in the early 1970s, and he showed investigators... He showed investigators 17 grave sites in and around the South Central Alaska, 12 of which were unknown to investigators. There remained marks on his map that he refused to give up, including three in um, Resecution Bay near Seward. Authorities, authorities suspect Two of these marks belong to the graves of Mary Phil and Megan Emmerich, who Hansen actually denied killing. The twelve, the remains of the twelve of a probable twenty-one victims were exhumed by exhumed by the police and returned to their families. Hansen was eventually found guilty um, by the jury, and he was sentenced to four hundred and sixty-one years plus life in prison without the possibility of parole. He was first imprisoned at the United States Penitentiary in Lewisburg, in Lewisburg, Pennsylvania. Ooh, I know where that's at. I did not know that. In 1988, he was actually returned to Alaska and briefly incarcerated at Lemon Creek Correctional Center in Juniata. I think that's how you pronounce that. 
He was also charged. He was also imprisoned at the Spring Creek Correctional Center in Stewart until May 2014, where he was transported to the Anchorage Correctional Complex for health reasons. Spoiler alert, Robert is no longer alive. He died in 2014 at the age of 75 in the Alaska Regional Hospital in Anchorage due to natural causes from lingering health conditions. So, that is Robert Hansen. I could not find specific details about these victims. Um, but it's been a long, like I said, long weekend. Um, with dealing with the kids are sick and I wanted to get you guys out this out for Friday. So, there's actually some films and, you know, TV series about Robert Hansen. Um, in 2013, a movie called The Frozen Ground, which I've watched. It's a great movie. John Suzak, he portrayed Robert, uh, um, portrayed Robert opposite Nicholas Cage as Sergeant Jack, a character based on the Glenn Forth, um, that detective, and Vanessa Hudgens as a, as victim survivor Cindy Paulson. 2000. In 2007, Naked Fear, directed by Tom Eberhard, and starring Danielle Danielle De Luca, is loosely based on the characteristics apparent in Hansen's, you know, what he modest operandi. And some documentaries um, that are about him are The FBI Files, episode Hunter's Game in 1999, and that basically explains Hansen's murderous rampage. Crime Story featured a full, 2007, full 2000, 2007 episode of the case. The Alaska Ice Cold Killers episode Hunting Humans, January 25th, 2012, on Investigation Discovery, covered the Hansen case. Hidden City, Season 1, Episode 12, Anchorage, Robert Hansen's Most Dangerous Games, The Legend of Blackjack Surges, Eskimo Hugh, air date February 21st in 2012 on the channel, on the travel channel, covered the Hansen case, A Mark of a Killer Season 2, Episode 6, Hunted to Death on Oxygen, they covered the case, The Butcher Baker, Mind of a Monster, aired on September 2nd, 2020, on Investigation Discovery. I didn't even know that was a thing. So, some TV series. When I started to read this case, I thought of one series that I faithfully watched. That after I podcast this, I'm about to watch start my season 21. Um, Mindhunters in the Woods, two 2005 episodes of the CBS TV series Cold Case were inspired by Hansen's crimes. In Criminal Minds, season 5, episode 21, called Exit Wounds, Exit Wounds air date was May 12, 2010. Hansen is referred to by name. And this is one that I thought of. Hansen's crimes inspired Law and Order SVU. Um, special or Special Victims Union, if you don't know what that is. Season 13, episode 15, called Hunting Ground. Air date was February 22, 2012. Which, you know, describes a serial killer who hunts women like wild game before killing him. So, if you've ever seen that episode, 
that kind of gives you a little bit of a backstory of what Robert did, how he would hunt these prostitutes and everything like that, and then take them out and they would run. But he would have a, in the Law and Order episode, this guy would have a dog and he'd shoot them with like tranquilizers and everything. Oh, I mean, it's a good episode, but it's now that I know it's who it's related to, it's kind of scary to think about. And then a last one was Hanson's crimes were also recounted on the May 16, 2020 episode of Oxygen's Mark of a Killer Hunted to Death. I feel like I said that one. So, that, guys, is Robert Hanson, and I hope you liked it. Oh, yeah, I did. I repeated Mark of a Killer twice. And, um... I don't know who I'm doing next. Um, I kind of want to do... Uh, I want to do the Cleveland abduction, but I don't think I'm mentally ready for that, so... I don't know, guys, but this will be released to you in February... Not February, Jesus. This will be released to you Friday. Like I said, sorry if I sound a little wonky. My kids definitely gave me their sickness. Part of being a parent, we play pass along at the house. So... But I wanted to get you guys something out or something that you enjoyed. And I hope you enjoyed this one. Remember to spread love, not hate. And um, Friday, I mean Wednesday, maybe we won't do an urban legend. Maybe I'll do because the Cleveland adoption will have to be a couple episodes. It's not going to be one whole thing. So it's not going to be one episode. It's going to be multiple parts. Maybe I'll do that. And then Friday we'll do like a little lighter case. I'm not sure yet. Or we'll just try to bang it out that week, next week. And we'll just call it a day. If you know about the Cleveland abduction, you know it's a stressful case. Anyway, guys, that's all for tonight. And I'll be um, pre-recording that Saturday. So enjoy.